If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. We'll be continuing my sermon series uh, that we uh, began a few weeks ago uh, entitled uh, Overcomers, Lessons from the Churches of Revelation. And uh, we looked uh, a few weeks ago at the first letter to the, the church in Revelation. And I want to do a quick review of that before we move on. Uh, we said this, there's a pattern to the letters of these churches that uh, is, uh, there's some variation in the pattern. Uh, but we see the pattern in the church uh, letter to the church of Ephesus. We talked about overcoming a cold Christianity. First, we said there was a commendation. The Lord said, I know your deeds. Aren't you glad that he knows what we do? He keeps track. We may not always get a pat on the back from everyone else, but that's okay because the Lord knows our deeds. Secondly, there was a complaint. The Lord said, you have forsaken your first love. You have um, uh, gone away from the passion and the enthusiasm of your initial experience with me. Thirdly, there was a correction, a threefold correction. He said, remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember how it was when you were on fire for God. Secondly, repent of being lax and falling away. And thirdly, repeat the works you did at first. Do the things you did at first in your time of passion for serving the Lord. And then fourthly, there was a challenge. Hear and overcome. Hear the word of the Lord, and we'll hear that often, and overcome. And that's the theme of our series, Overcoming. Well, that catches us up. I want to begin today's message by reading from Revelation chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 11. The Lord is dictating the letter to uh, John the Beloved, and he says this, To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of my message today is Overcoming Suffering. Overcoming Suffering. Ann Landers, who receives an average of 10,000 letters per month, was once asked what the most common problem was in them. Her reply was fear. People are afraid of many things, losing their health, their wealth, and their lives. But one of the things people are most afraid of is suffering. As much as people are afraid of death, many would rather die than suffer physically. 
And that's why there's the phenomenon of assisted suicide, which we think of, you know, Jack Kevorkian, the death doctor in days past. But there are countries where assisted suicide is legal and even encouraged. It's because people fear suffering. Nobody likes suffering. The letter to the church here at Smyrna deals with suffering. As we said, these were letters to real churches, uh, and they were, they were circulated. Uh, and so this letter is to the church at Smyrna, and it deals with suffering. Smyrna was a very beautiful and important city. The Jews of the city were very influential, and their hatred of Christianity caused the Christians in that city severe hardship. Christ communicates to the suffering church at Smyrna as, quote, the first and the last who died and came to life again. He had experienced what they had, the suffering that they had, but in much greater measure, of course. And he was victorious. We live in a world today that is hostile to Christianity. Do we, do we agree to that? I think that's an understatement. And it's increasingly hostile to the Christian faith. And therefore, this message is relevant to us today. Now, uh, in this message, I'm going to relate it to all kinds of suffering, but particularly in the church of Smyrna, they were suffering because of their faith. We've been blessed to live in a country that, in theory at least, has religious freedom. But we know, if you are just even have a cursory glance at the news accounts, we know that our freedoms are being eroded. They're being taken from us by the forces of darkness. And it is not far-fetched to consider how we may suffer for our faith. Can we understand that? And we may feel insulated, we may feel wealthy, we may feel protected, but our faith, our freedoms are at risk. And the word of the Lord to the church of Smyrna is relevant to you and me today. So let us hear what the Lord of the church says to the suffering church. The first thing he gives us as part of the pattern is a commendation. And the commendation is this, he knows our trials. He knows. In the first letter, we saw that the Lord said, I know your deeds. To the church of Smyrna, he says, I know your suffering. I know. What does he know? Well, specifically, he said, first of all, I know your afflictions. The Greek word translated afflictions is thalipsis. It means a crushing beneath a weight. You ever feel like the burdens of life are just crushing down upon you? Just a weight that you can't uh, remove. And he says, I know your afflictions. Secondly, he says, I know your poverty, yet you are rich. The word translated poverty is patokia, meaning complete destitution. Now, there were two main reasons for this. First of all, believers often suffered in this city, in this culture, the confiscation of their property or vandalism and likely had to endure an economic boycott because of their refusal to align themselves 
with the pagan state worshipers or the apostate Jews. In other words, their faith really cost them something. It cost many of them their jobs. It cost many of them their businesses. Yet the Lord says, in another way, you are rich. What does he mean? He means that spiritually they are rich, which is a far more important wealth than the wealth of this world. Amen? You know the saying, you can't take it with you. But your spiritual wealth you can take with you. Amen? And then he says, I, he says, I know your afflictions, I know your poverty. Thirdly, I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. What's he talking about? Well, uh, as I said, the Jews were a strong presence in this city. And these Jews had rejected Jesus the Messiah and were thus false Jews. And they aligned themselves with Rome against Christianity. You know, in, in World War II, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Jews who had aligned themselves with Germany were considered traitors. Uh, by the Jews who suffered. This was a similar type thing here. These Jews aligned themselves with Rome. And uh, so uh, they were called, Jesus said they who say they are Jews, but they're not. And he said they're a synagogue of Satan. And these Jews, uh, these, these false Jews leveled six slanders against the Christians. I want you to listen to this. Because of Christ's words about eating flesh, eating his flesh and eating his blood, it was said they were cannibals. <laughs> because of the love feast, remember when they had communion, they called that the love feast and they would break bread together. It was said that they were immoral, that immorality was taking place. Thirdly, because some families were split over Christianity, it was said that Christianity destroyed the family. Fourthly, because they worshiped no image, they were said to be atheists. Most of the people of, of, of Rome worshiped the, 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 the emperor, the god of the state, and the Christians wouldn't bow before any image and wouldn't worship the emperor, so they were called atheists. Because they would never say Caesar is Lord, uh, they were considered politically disloyal. And the sixth slander against them was because they said the world would end in flames, which the Word of God says, they were called troublemakers. So they were slandered. You ever been slandered? You ever had things said about you that aren't true? And you, you don't uh, have the opportunity to correct the record? That stings, doesn't it? It hurts, doesn't it? And so the Lord said, I know your afflictions. I know your poverty. I know the slander that's been leveled against you. The Lord said, I know. You know, in antiquity there was a belief that if the tears one shed during his life were saved, they would constitute a record of the sorrows he had suffered in life and cause him to find favor with God. David referred to this in Psalm 56 verse 8. The tear bottles uh, were used, so-called tear bottles, were used to collect the tears of mourners at funerals and then placed in the coffins of the deceased. But you know, Jesus needs no tear bottles to see the tears that we shed. Jesus needs no reminder of the suffering we've gone through. And I know sometimes we go through suffering, we go through difficulty, we go through challenges, and it feels like we go through it all alone. But God sees our suffering. Aren't you thankful for that today? 
We may ask this morning why we suffer. And many times we pray a prayer. We say, Lord, I've been faithful to you. Lord, I've served you uh, uh, my entire life. Why am I suffering? Well, there's an answer for that. In Job 5, 7, it says, Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Elsewhere, the word of God says, The rain falls on the just and the unjust. How many know when we come to Christ, that's not a guarantee of a lack of trouble? Matter of fact, it's a guarantee that we're going to face trouble. We're going to face the trouble everyone faces, plus we're going to face a persecution for being Christians. A man of God named Jack Taylor talked about suffering from personal experience. He was unexpectedly in need of open-heart surgery. During this time, his wife had a nervous breakdown and was admitted into the same hospital where he was. And on top of that, there was trouble brewing in the church that he and his son pastored. This is what he said about suffering. He said, if we seek relief from our pain through understanding it, we will likely be hurting for a long time. Nice formulas, time-worn cliches, and well-ordered expositions offer little help in this area. Why ask why? Our pain is sometimes complicated by our feverish attempts to understand something that is classified information with God. In other words, we are, are not always told why we're suffering. Can you relate to that? You ever ask the question, why? Why? Why do I have to go through this? God alone reserves that knowledge to himself. But we must remember that we, as the church, are in Satan's territory in this dark world, and therefore we can expect to suffer. But thanks be to God, Jesus knows about our suffering. Jesus knows about every trial. The church of Jesus Christ is still being slandered and persecuted today, but he knows when we are persecuted for him in our homes, on the job, at school, etc. Let me, let me say this. If you live your life for Jesus, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you. If you hold on to your integrity, it's going to cost you something in your work, in your relationships, in your life. How many have found that to be true? 1 Peter 4 Verses 12 through 16 and verse 19 say this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. Do not be surprised. As though some strange thing were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. That's powerful. Peter says, don't be surprised that you're suffering. Don't be taken off guard by it. Expect it. But remember, when you suffer for the cause of Christ, you are blessed. The early church considered it a blessing to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. So this morning, take heart. 
suffering church because God knows. Jesus says, I know you're suffering. He's aware. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Secondly, there's a charge. The charge is this, don't fear suffering, but remain faithful. The Lord issues a twofold charge to the church that is suffering. He says, first of all, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Now the devil here, devil, word devil literally means accuser. The devil is behind their suffering, their imprisonment. But it, he, the Lord says it will be a relatively short time of persecution, ten days. Now ten days is metaphorical here. Daniel and his friends in the Old Testament had been tested 10 days. They passed the test and were promoted. When you compare the 10 days, 10 days, as I said, is symbolic of a relatively short time of suffering. But Revelation chapter 20 talks about a thousand years of victory. I love what Paul says in Romans. Paul says, I reckon that the weight of our suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Isn't that awesome? Consider all the suffering of your lifetime. And I know some of us have gone through and are going through suffering and hardship right now. Package that all up and multiply it times a billion or a trillion. Or what, what other numbers does our government use to describe the debt we're in, you know? The biggest number you can find. Multiply your suffering times that. That doesn't come close to the glory and the blessing that God has waiting for us. Isn't that awesome? When we suffer, we just need to say, Lord, I'm suffering now, but it, it doesn't hold a candle to the blessing you have for me. And that's what the Lord says. He says, so don't be afraid of, of about what you're about to suffer. Secondly, he says, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now again, I, we, we feel insulated in this country, even with the erosion of our uh, freedoms that, that we have. We feel insulated. Uh, we don't feel like we have to worry about dying for our faith. But can I tell you something? There are Christians, you know this, there are Christians in our world today in 2024 who are giving up their life for their faith. There are Christians in other lands who have to make a choice between physical life or physical death, between uh, physical life if they deny Christ or dying, giving their life if they claim the name of Jesus Christ. Pastor Tim, that can never happen here. Well, you know what? It's hard to imagine it happening here. But can I just say this? The things that have happened over the last 10 or 20 years, the changes in our culture, we couldn't have imagined them happening here, could we? Isn't that the truth? And, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be gloomy. I don't want to be a doomsday prophet. That's not what this is about. But if there's one thing that the, that the massive changes in our culture uh, say to me is that in a godless world, anything is possible even in America. We need to be ready. Would we hold to our faith if it meant losing our possessions? Losing our jobs? Losing our 
physical freedom, even losing our lives. Be faithful. This is not a charge to a small group of super Christians. It is to all believers. Matthew 10, 22 says, He who stands firm to the end will be saved. The crown mentions here, mentioned here where he says, I will give you the crown of life. This is not a royal crown, but it's uh, uh, symbolic of the wreath placed on the head of a winner of an athletic contest. In other words, the one who endured to the end of the contest. The Lord says, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. I'm looking for that crown. How about you? I'm looking for that day when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Shortly after John wrote this letter of Revelation, this book of Revelation, one of the church fathers, Polycarp, became bishop of Smyrna, this city. And on February 23rd, just about this time of year, the year 155, as an old man, he was burned at the stake. His captors gave him one last chance to deny Jesus. Make no mistake about it. He wasn't being burned at the stake because he was a thief or a murderer, because he had assaulted anyone. It was because of his faith in Jesus Christ and proclaiming Christ. And he was given one last chance to renounce Christ and live. This is what he said. He said, 80 and 6 years have I served the Lord, and he has never wronged me. How then can I blaspheme my King and Savior? And he died as one who, as the Lord says here, was faithful even to the point of death. We need to see our suffering for what it is. It's a time of testing. Job 23.10 says, But he knows the way I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. As with Job and the Christians of Smyrna, the devil may be behind much of our suffering, but I'm here to tell you today, the Lord is still in control. Amen? Our suffering may seem like it will last forever, but it is short compared to the reward God has for us. I love Psalm 30, verse 5. Listen to this. It says, Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Hallelujah. You may be in the nighttime of your despair. You may be in the nighttime of your suffering. You may be in the nighttime of your weeping. But I'm here to tell you that joy's coming in the morning. That joy's coming in the morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Scripture I already referenced, Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Thanks be to God. We as the church must not give up in the face of difficulty, but must continue to do what God has called us to do. We must carry on the work of building the church. We must not let up. We must not quit. We must, not, we must persevere. We, like the church of Smyrna, are charged not to fear suffering and to be faithful to the end. What's the third element to this letter uh, to the suffering church. It's a challenge to hear 
and overcome the second death. It says in verse 11, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We've heard the Lord say that in the previous letter. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. What is the second death? It's the, the second death is the lake of fire described in Revelation 20, 14. Those who remain faithful need not fear hell, but are secure in Jesus Christ. The challenge is to overcome the suffering of this life, not to be overcome by it. Hallelujah. Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body, but fear him who can kill the soul. Can I tell you something? Speaking in the natural, speaking physically, we're all dying. Pastor Tim, I came to be encouraged and you told me I'm dying. That I'm, I'm going to leave, I'm going to be depressed over lunch. No, but you know it's true. Our bodies start decaying. As you get older, right? You have aches where you didn't know you had places. Right? You know, we, uh, and, and that's a fact. Sooner for some of us, later for others. But our bodies are together. We're, we're, going, we're not physically going to live forever. But you know what? That's okay. Because my Bible says Jesus has overcome natural death. Jesus has overcome the death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. It's the second death that matters. The second death is separation from Almighty God for eternity. It's burning in a lake of fire. That's why we're here today. That's why we preach the gospel to prevent a lost and dying world from spending eternity in a sinner's hell. But Jesus says those who are committed to him, we don't have to fear the second death. We don't have to fear hell. We don't have to fear eternal banishment from the presence of God. Hallelujah. Our future is secure. They can kill the body. They can destroy uh, this, this shell, this, 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 this clay pot of our, our bodies, but they can't destroy our soul. Hallelujah. If we endure to the end, uh, we shall live forever in the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah, that's the blessed hope. That's our assurance, hallelujah. Physical death is not to be feared. God holds the number of our days in his hand. And when our time is, is come, it has come. But if we remain faithful to the end, if we know him, we remain faithful to the end, we will live forever. We don't have to fear the second death. Hallelujah. You know, the training of marathon runners is completely different from that of sprinters. Do you have any runners here? My hand is only up by example. I'm not... Uh, I know, you, you guessed that. But training, training for a marathon is completely different from training for a sprint. You know, you're training for a 40-yard dash or whatever it is. You want a burst of energy out of the gate and out of the starting block, and you want to go full throttle just as soon as you can and for the entire length of that sprint because it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a short race. But a marathon, you need to conserve your... You, 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 you need to pace yourself. And if you've ever watched marathon runners, you know what, you know, they... they they bide their time, and someone will come from 
seemingly the back of the pack at the end. Why? Because the end time is when they, they, they accelerate and they, they, they move on. But, but, but you pace yourself. So you train for the long haul. You train for endurance. Sprinter doesn't need to train for endurance nearly like a marathon runner does. Church, this Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. We're in it for the long haul. We're in it for uh, the long term. I want us to understand this. While our salvation is secure, if we know Jesus Christ, our salvation is secure, yet we must persevere in it. To be an overcomer, we must continue to serve God day in and day out. This is important. We need to understand this. While our salvation is real in the present, it is consummated in the future. Philippians 2.12 says, continue to work out your salvation. Now, it's not saying work for your salvation. We know salvation is by grace through faith, not, not of works. We're not saved by our works. But Paul said, continue to work out your salvation. What does that mean? He says, live it out day by day. Persevere. Live like you're saved. Continue to the end. Be faithful. It is for the person who does that that the crown of life awaits. So the challenge is to hear what the Lord says to the church and to not fear the second death, but to persevere in our salvation, to live uh, for God like we mean it, to be passionate, to continue to serve him, to continue to live for him, to continue to share our faith, continue to do what's right even when it's difficult and we're tempted to do what's convenient, to live out our faith day by day for the rest of our lives, for as long as God gives us breath, we're going to persevere we're going to move forward. We're going to live every moment of every day for him. Amen? Amen. Conclusion this morning, this letter contains no complaint. It's, it's unique in that regard. We saw a complaint in the letter last week. This letter has no complaint. It seems that the suffering of the Christians of Smyrna purified the church as it always has. Did you know that? Suffering is a great purifier. And I want to say this, while we often ask the question, as I referenced before, why me? Why do I have to endure this suffering? Can I tell you this? Suffering is often part of the plan of God for our lives. It's that refiner's fire. You see, he didn't come to make us happy. He came to make us holy. Suffering is a purifier. God can use our suffering. It's a tool that he uses to make us what he wants us to be. No one likes to suffer. I don't like to suffer. You don't like to suffer. When we go through it, it's hard. It's difficult. But how many can look back on suffering in your life and see how the Lord brought you through? See how the Lord was faithful. We sang about it. 
Listen, we can stand up here and sing, faithful you are, faithful you will always be. But when God has brought you through suffering, when he's brought you through a trial, when he's brought you through heartbreak, heartbreak you, can, you can sing it like you mean it. You can declare it like you mean it. God, you're faithful. How do I know? Because you've been faithful to me in my darkest hour. You've been faithful to me in my deepest trial. You've been faithful to me while I've been shedding tears on my pillow at night. Lord, you're faithful, not in theory, but I know you're faithful because you've been faithful to me. And we only know that when we go through trial, when we go through suffering, when we go through difficulty, when we go through heartbreak. But that does not mean that he is not concerned with our plight. That doesn't mean that he doesn't care. When we hurt, he hurts with us. And the Lord of the church issues a commendation. First of all, he knows our trials. He knows. You may be going through something right now. Nobody else on the planet knows about it. He knows. He knows. He issues a charge. Don't fear the suffering, but remain faithful. Remain faithful. Job said, though God slay me, his life was wasting away, his physical life. He said, though God slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. Lord, I don't understand it. Lord, I can't figure it out. Lord, it doesn't seem fair, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Remain faithful. Thirdly, a challenge. Hear the word of the Lord and overcome the second death. We don't need to fear the second death. Our future is secure in him if we know Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This suffering, this difficulty, it's just a short trial compared to eternity with him. Amen? May there be nothing that the enemy of our souls can throw at us today that prevents us from being overcomers. He that overcomes, I will give the crown of life.